Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. I'm an above average home cook on a mission to help you elevate your everyday meals from ordinary to extraordinary. Aren't you tired of making the same boring meals every week? Well, I've got just the podcast for you. Every Monday episode will inspire you with new and diverse recipes. Together, we'll uncover the dish's rich history, we'll break down the ingredients, and talk through the step-by-step cooking process. Whether you're new to cooking or just looking for some weekly recipe inspo, this is the show for you. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at The HCG Podcast for additional cooking inspo and show updates. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Home Cooks Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and today's episode is very close to my heart. I have been in a loving relationship for a while, and while my boyfriend is just the loveliest man in the world, but when asked, you know, what do you want for dinner? Where should we go to dinner? Um, you know, I don't care. You decide is generally the resounding answer, which is great in many times when I am generally baiting him to say that so that I could say, I want sushi, I want Korean food, I want Thai, I want pizza. It's all about me. But it's tricky when you get into a rut when you're trying to plan your next dinner, your next lunch, and you're just sick of cooking, you're sick of looking at cookbooks. You want someone to tell you, I want beef bourguignon. I want pork fried rice. I want an answer. So in a moment of vulnerability, he once told me he wanted to have fettuccine Alfredo. And as a proud Italian-American, I scoffed and basically said no, which, you know, how dare I? Frankly, I beg for suggestions and I get one and I immediately poo-poo it because I'm a bitch. I'm a bitch. Uh, I've literally been asking for this, so there's no excuse. And so even though I am here today making a broccoli chicken alfredo obviously if you saw the title of this episode you have clicked it you are here you are ready for a broccoli chicken alfredo i didn't plan to be here i came across a video from chef restaurateur and actor maddie matheson on facebook and yes i'm still deeply ingrained in the facebook communities i am a boomer i love it i love to peruse once you start feeding the algorithmic beast it starts figuring out what you're interested in. And evidently, I'm interested in broccoli chicken Alfredo. They served me this video by Maddie Matheson. And honestly, by the time I was like halfway through the recipe, I had already written down half the ingredients on my shopping list because I knew I had to make this dish. It's certainly not the healthiest, but it's, you know, one of those dishes that kind of feed your soul more so than you know, make you drop a couple LBs. But, you know, let's just get right into it. You know, who is Alfredo? What is Alfredo? And evidently, where is Alfredo? And we can find Alfredo in Rome. So this is a Roman pasta. It's not a American creation straight from the Olive Garden, even though that is where it became popularized in the States. But there is a a chef from Rome who created this dish at his restaurant in the early 1940s. And so this is technically a Roman pasta, but it is not one of the four main Roman pastas, which we will get to on another episode. Stay tuned. So chef and restaurateur Alfredo Di Lelio featured this dish at his restaurant in Rome in the early 1940s. So at the time, it was just simple butter, parmesan, and pasta water sauce. But naturally, Americans have bastardized it by adding cream, all different fixings, spices, 
you know, I here I am adding broccoli, people do shrimp, chicken, whatever. Whatever you can think, people have added into this dish. And so it's kind of a dish that has evolved as many dishes from Italy have evolved into Italian-American versions of said dishes. This restaurant is actually still open and around. It's called Alfredo Alla Scofra, and it looks damn incredible and if you go please let me know how it is and just take me with you why not we can go i'll quit my life and go to italy with a random listener if we want to eat alfredo sauce together in the olden days they used to actually make this dish table side which is a pretty integral part of the dish because everything kind of comes together very quickly especially when you're kind of emulsifying butter and the Parmesan cheese and the pasta water together. And I love a tableside moment, whether it's a Caesar salad, whether it's a guacamole, which I believe guacamole seemed to be like the first tableside moment that I really ever came to, uh, to know and love. I was at a restaurant in the city in Manhattan that had a tableside tiramisu. Shout out to that place. I don't remember the name. Obviously, a tableside cacio e pepe, which is kind of the same general vibe as this type of pasta, where they do it in the big-ass Parmesan wheel, which is a luxurious aspect of any sort of dining experience, if you ask me. And recently, I saw tableside polenta, where they put the polenta on the table. And, you know, polenta is kind of meant to be eaten on like a wood block and, and shared amongst people. But they had the polenta and then they put short ribs on top. And honestly, I think I'm going to go there tonight or maybe tomorrow. Alfredo Alascofra's website is currently down, but it seems like they do sell jarred versions of this fettuccine sauce. So obviously you could bypass this episode, turn it off, not go to Rome and just buy the sauce. But I mean, that is literally the antithesis of what I'm trying to even do with this show, which is to encourage home cooks to experiment in the kitchen, have a little bit of fun, make recipes that, you know, maybe have bastardized an iconic dish anything that you make at home, you'll have a better idea of how much salt is going into this dish, how much butter is going into this dish, what kind of cheese are you using, what kind of produce are you using, all of these different things that obviously play a huge role in your everyday nutrition. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it. As I mentioned, this today's recipe is by Maddie Matheson. You can find the recipe and the video on his YouTube. I'll post the link in the show notes, but you'll notice he's very lax when it comes to specific amounts of ingredients. And so I'll post the ingredients in the show notes too, just to keep it a little bit easier. This recipe will take about an hour from start to finish and can feed about four to five hungry little piggies, depending on how many people you are feeding. So let's jump right into the ingredients that we will need to create this unexpected masterpiece. So there is a lot going on in this dish. There are three different components. So I would say it'll take about an hour start to finish and you'll be using a lot of dishes along the way. So make sure your dishwasher, your dish rack, and your sink are all fully empty and everything is clean before making this meal. And this is a threat, not a warning. Like this is messy. There's a lot going on. Again, this is a Saturday night meal. If you're slowly taking your time, of course, if you're like hustling on a weeknight, you're probably not making enough dish. But, you know, if you're hustling, you could do it in an hour. But if you have time, why not? Take your time. Relax. Stay a while. So there are three different components in this dish. There is the creamy, delicious broccoli sauce. There is something he calls a gremolata, but it's really kind of like a bread crummy topping. And then there's chicken. And the chicken is obviously optional. The gremolata is obviously optional. But we're making dishes here. We're making memories. <laughs> this broccoli chicken Alfredo is good, but I mean, it's not a memory maker per se. But 
hey, it could be. You never know what will happen over some Alfredo. But the chicken is obviously optional. If you want to keep a vegetarian, ditch the meat. You could do that. You don't have to do the gramolata. But I think it's, you know, a really nice addition to the dish because it adds a little texture and there's some fresh parsley in there that just kind of adds, you know, just a little bit of freshness to a pretty thick and creamy and delicious sauce. So let's just get right into it. What do we need to make this dish? Obviously, we need a full head of broccoli. And for this recipe, we'll be using the full head of broccoli. No scraps outside of the tiny, you know, wooden end of the stalk. And don't get me wrong. I am not a martyr. I do not always eat the stalks and stems of a broccoli. I'm sorry, but like, I I don't need to take that and make it into a chicken nugget or whatever the people are doing to, you know, eat all of their parts of their broccoli again go off sis (laughs) I I love that for you but it's not the most appetizing part of the broccoli which I don't think I'm the only one who believes this so this is a good excuse to use the stalks and stems and so here we're going to be cutting our head of broccoli we'll take all of the florets which are the top like tree part of our broccoli head we're going to chop those off and those will be put aside and those will be ending up in the boiling pasta water where we will quickly boil them for a couple minutes and those will be eaten whole within the final dish. So we will take the stalks and the stems and we will chop them up. It doesn't have to be pretty because we're going to be blasting this in a blender. So obviously this recipe isn't the healthiest dish on the planet, but broccoli is one of the most nutrient-rich vegetables out there. It contains folate, phytonutrients, manganese, potassium, and they say one cup of broccoli has as much calcium as a cup of milk. So broccoli's peak season is generally between October through April, so you will always see broccoli on sale during this time. I was able to get a head of broccoli for 99 cents at my local grocery store. When you're shopping for broccoli, you do want to make sure you're looking for ones that have heads that are tightly closed. We want it to be kind of compact with deep green florets and you know we don't want signs of yellowing because obviously if you see those signs of yellowing it's probably past its prime and it probably only has another day or so before you know you have to send it to the vegetable graveyard (laughs) with all the other things that are in the back of your fridge collecting mold. So if you are going to store and you're not planning to eat this immediately you'll just want to make sure you put it in an open plastic bag in the crisper. But you do not want to wash it before you store it because the water will kind of cling to the florets and it will cause it to rapidly wilt and get nasty and stinky and you don't want that. So obviously broccoli and broccolini can considered to be interchangeable, but don't use expensive broccoli in this recipe. You'll have to buy way too much and it's just it's just not the same. So don't do it. So your sauce will also require two cups of Parmesan cheese. Of course, you can get pre-shredded cheese, but it just won't be as fresh and flavorful as when you get it from the block itself. If you are considering getting a block of cheese, you could also use Grana Padano. That's another Italian hard cow's milk cheese with a super similar flavor profile. You can also use Pecorino Romano if you have that on hand. Pecorino is spicier and a saltier cheese. So if you do go that route, you just want to be mindful of the salt that you're putting in the sauce. So I would say we'll also need two cups of light or heavy cream for the sauce. Use what you've got. I went with light cream and I thought it was great. You could use heavy. You could probably also use milk as well. Just use whatever you've got. We'll need about three to four tablespoons of olive oil. We'll also need some salt and we'll need some pepper. We all have those things, right? Then in the sauce, we'll also be having one-fourth of a teaspoon of nutmeg. Nutmeg is a great pantry spice. It's one of those spices your mom probably has in her pantry since 1987. Just hasn't finished yet. Again, it's probably expired. It's probably 
most likely past its prime, but it'll probably get the job done. So nutmeg is really delicious because it has this warm, nutty flavor, and it kind of adds somewhat of like a warming touch to a creaminess of any kind of cheese-based sauce. So you'll actually find nutmeg in a lot of mac and cheese recipes. And they say nutmeg is actually really good for you as well. It can help regulate blood pressure, and it supplies the body with antioxidants. And... I'm saying slow. If you got kids in the car, lower this. <laughs> but it's been proved that it actually increases the sex drives in male rats. So, hey, you might get lucky after this dinner. Wow, we digress. We digress. Then we will need some parsley. And so we're going to need that parsley for both the sauce and our gramolata. And so for the sauce, we'll need about four sprigs of parsley. And we're going to keep those stems on in there too, because we're going to be blending it up in the blender with everything else. So no need to remove those soft stems. And then we're going to need about a half a cup of parsley chopped up nice and small for our gramolata. That is technically not a gramolata, but I digress. So if you don't want to chop off the parsley stems for your gremolata, you can easily just chop off the leaves and chop those up and then take those soft stems and put those into the blender with our other ingredients for our sauce. Okay, so that is what is in our sauce. Now we move on to our gremolata, which is technically not a which is technically not a gremolata. He's calling it that, I'm calling it that, we're all calling it that. But gremolata is generally, you know, a chopped parsley, lemon zest, and garlic mixture used to put on top of various dishes. It's actually known to be used on an asobuco, which is an amazing Italian dish. Um, shout out to the Courier Enthusiasm episode, never forget. This is basically going to be like a breadcrumb topping with parsley, garlic, and white bread that we're going to be putting on top of the pasta. Carbs on carbs, baby. I told you, not the healthiest. Good for your soul. If any recipe is good for your soul, you know it's not good for your hips, but that's besides the point. Maddie calls for four slices of white bread for our bread crumb gremolata e topping. But again, use what you have. If you have French bread, that will work. If you have, you know, a country sourdough, that will work. So if you don't have any bread available and you're not able to run to the store to get this, we can also use panko breadcrumbs as an alternative. So if you are going to go the panko route, you're just going to want to put about a cup of panko into a frying pan with some olive oil on top. And we're just going to want to lightly kind of roast it and toast it in a frying pan to get a little bit of color. So if we go that panko route, you're not going to be able to spread the roasted garlic on top of the panko without it being a little wonky. So if we are having to go the panko route, so you won't have to roast that garlic that's going to then be spread onto what would have been our white bread. I wouldn't substitute regular breadcrumbs in here just because they're oftentimes too fine. And we want this gremolata-y breadcrumb topping to have a little bit of texture then we will need garlic. We'll have three full heads of garlic for our gramolata mixture and three individual garlic cloves for the chicken. So for those full garlic heads, we're just going to chop off the top portion just so that you could see inside and see the tops of all of the cloves. Again, it doesn't have to be a perfect science. Some of them might fall out. Just plop them right back in. And then we'll drizzle some olive oil on top of all of the garlic cloves. From there, we will then take a piece of tinfoil and wrap up the three heads in a little tinfoil pouch and throw those puppies in the oven. 
we'll be having that garlic roast simultaneously with our bread for the gremolata. And when they're done, they'll be perfectly soft and roasted. And we'll be able to take the individual cloves out of the head somewhat easily. And then we'll rub that soft caramelized garlic on top of our toasted bread. It's definitely an extra step, but it's completely worth it to get that rich garlic taste in our breadcrumb topping. And so then we'll also have three garlic cloves that we'll just smash with the back of our knives and save for when we're browning our chicken on the stovetop. That will really just be to infuse our oil and butter with a garlic flavor. So that is all for our gremolata. Then we will need chicken for our chicken portion of our broccoli chicken alfredo. Again, optional if you want to keep it veg. If you just aren't feeling like cooking meat, I don't blame you. You're going to want about one pound. Four chicken thighs is about one pound. Legs or thighs work here. Really any kind of chicken work here. I always like chicken with skin on and bone in. It's generally the most flavorful and the most textured type of chicken. And, you know, if you're going to use chicken thighs, you'll probably want to throw them in the oven after sauteing on both sides. So generally time management is kind of the key to home cooking and I think a a big issue that a lot of people have this is one of those recipes that you might just want to do one thing at a time because our garlic bulbs and the bread will need to be in the oven anyways you might want to throw in those chicken thighs after you saute and get the skins nice and crispy you might want to throw it into the oven for another 15 to 20 minutes to make sure that they're fully cooked through all the way again we will get there Then we will also need some butter because let's, um, why not just add more fat to this amazing dish already? Three to four tablespoons that we'll be using for the chicken and then we'll be using some additional butter for the final plating. Then obviously we're going to need some pasta. We're using fettuccine in this recipe, but obviously any kind of long pasta works here. Bucatini, spaghetti, fusilli lunghi, and again, any kind of pasta will really work here. Different pasta shapes are used in different dishes because each shape will kind of lend itself to the sauce and the ingredients that are within the dish. So for example, this kind of silky broccoli fettuccine sauce, you know, really just is looking to coat a pasta. Whereas a pasta, let's say with peas and pancetta is perfect for an orecchietti shape. So that the peas and the pancetta kind of fit into the orecchietti's like natural little shape. It's kind of like a baseball in a baseball mitt, but it's a pancetta in an orecchietti. Like many of the recipes we make on this show, it's super pantry and fridge heavy. We're going to be using that full head of broccoli. Yay! So you might have a little bit of that woody stem on the bottom. And for that, you can just throw that into your compost. We won't be able to use that in any kind of stock. Then once you're done eating and you're all settled, you're going to probably have some of those chicken bones from the leg or the thigh or whatever piece you ended up using. And those are perfect for stock. But I will say saving your chicken bones in the freezer you know isn't the prettiest thing in the world and there's truly nothing worse than when guests come over and they come across a bag of your (laughs) animal carcasses and you know they're just looking for some ice they're not trying to cause any problems and now they're looking at bones so sorry not sorry but you'll definitely want to be saving those because those are so rich with delicious nutrients and flavor that can be used in a homemade stock. We'll have some of the garlic scraps, and so you could throw those into your stock compost, the the outsides of garlic, onions, any kind of allium. Add delicious aromatic flavoring to any kind of future broth as well. And as we were saying, you're going to be chopping up that parsley for the quote-unquote gramolata. So you can either take the stems that you didn't want to include in your gramolata and throw that into the blender as well. Or you could save any of those scraps for a future stock as well. So look at that. 
not that much food waste and looks like we're ready to jump right into this recipe. So as I mentioned, there's a lot going on at once here. And if you're new to cooking and you're still working on those time management skills, then we probably are going to want to start with the gremolata. And then we'll probably move to the sauce while the garlic bulbs and the bread is cooked baking in the oven. And then we'll finish with cooking the chicken and cooking the pasta. So for the gremolata, we are going to start by preheating the oven to 350. At that point, we are going to take a little tin foil. We're going to put our garlic bulbs that have been chopped off at the top. We're going to give it a glug or two of olive oil on top and a little bit of salt. We're going to close it back up into a little bunch and we're going to put that on a baking sheet. We're going to want to roast those for about 45 minutes. So at this point, 45 minutes gives us a lot of time to prep all of our other ingredients. So at least when you go into the recipe, you'll know, okay, I've got 45 minutes invested into this dish just by the garlic. So that's a good amount of time to start prepping everything else. And as I was going through the ingredients before, you probably realized that a lot of these things aren't particularly prep heavy. You know, you're not really going to have to cut too many vegetables. You're cutting a broccoli, you're grating some cheese, and that's kind of it. And so you're able to kind of whip up the sauce somewhat quickly in the amount of time that it generally takes for this garlic bloom and become delicious and just to make your house smell incredible oh my god so you're going to take that foil pouch full of garlic and we're going to put it on a baking sheet and then just throw it right in the oven again we'll want that to cook for about 45 minutes so after about 25 minutes of the garlic bulb being in there you could put the bread in there with a little bit of olive oil on both sides of the bread and we're going to roast those for about 20 minutes and we'll flip the bread about halfway through Use your nose to guide you. If you're smelling like something is burning, then take out your bread. If it gets a little dark, you can kind of shave off some of the burnt ends. So after about 45 minutes, your garlic should be pretty much good and, and give it a peek. Open it up. If the garlic cloves don't look like they've gotten some color, if they're not kind of squishy to the touch, then keep them in there while you're finishing everything else. And the gremolata doesn't have to be hot. So this is a good thing that can kind of sit and wait while you're prepping everything else. So after about 20 minutes, we'll take that bread out and let it cool down for a minute. So once those garlic cloves are done, we are going to take it out of the cloves. You can kind of just squeeze it out on your own. They will be very hot to the touch in the beginning. So give it a minute to breathe. You'll see in Maddie Matheson's video, he just palms it and doesn't give a flying F and just squeezes it and seemingly burns his hands. And I'm far too fragile for that. And I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you are also a little bit fragile in that way. So we're just going to wait a couple minutes, take a beat or two, and then we will rub and smush that garlic into the bread on all the sides. And then we will stack the bread and dice up the bread. And from there, we will add our chopped parsley, add a little bit more salt and pepper. If you have any extra oils from that garlic pouch that might have seeped out, then we'll also put those oils into our gremolata mixture as well. If you don't have any oil from the oil packet, just give it a little sprinkle of olive oil just to kind of seal everything together. Then from there, you'll just you'll mix it all together and put it aside and wait to serve your pasta. Again, this isn't technically a gremolata, but we're calling it a gremolata because we are sheep and if Maddie does it, we do it. Let's move to the sauce. So we're going to start with the pot of salted water on the stove top. We are going to wait until that boils and from there we are going to throw our stalks and our stems into the water for about 10 minutes. And so we're going to want them to be soft but not super mushy. And then we're going to take that cream. We're going to want to get a little small saucepan and we're just going to want to warm up the two cups of cream Again, we're not trying to boil it. We're just trying to heat it up before we place it in the blender. We don't want to risk that milk curdling, so we definitely want to keep an eye on it. If you see it starting to bubble around the edges, lower the heat. 
So once our broccoli is ready and the cream is heated up, we'll put the broccoli into the blender first. Then from there, we'll slowly pour the milk in. And we just want to make sure that we're not waterlogging the broccoli. We want to make sure that the broccoli has a little bit of room on top where it's not covered in milk. Then we will add our two cups of Parmigiano Reggiano or whatever cheese you're using into the blender. Then we'll add two to three tablespoons of olive oil. Use your best judgment. We'll add the nutmeg. We'll add our strands of parsley and possibly the additional parsley stems if you don't want to include that in our gramolata. We'll give it a crack of salt, a crack of pepper, and we'll blend that bitch, baby. And while you're blending, you're going to want to slowly stream in some hot water until everything gets really creamy and emulsified. From there, you'll take the top off your blender and you'll give it a little taste. You'll want to see like the gorgeous green color, which is exciting. And then you'll give it a little taste and you can adjust for seasoning. So if it's too bland, add a little bit more salt. If it's too thick and creamy, add a little bit more water and blend it up for five seconds just to kind of get it moving again a little bit. And then you'll really start getting excited about this recipe at that point. I just, again, how many times have I waxed poetically about beautiful colors? But that is like one of the beautiful things about vegetables is that they're just beautiful and colorful naturally. Like it's just, it just excites me. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, my pasta is going to be coated in this stunning silky green sauce. What is this amazing thing I'm about to eat? This is like the inciting incident in like a screenplay. This is like the moment where you're like, oh shit, things things are about to get crazy. (laughs) So from there, you'll put your sauce to the side. Um, And again, because we're going to be putting the sauce on steaming hot, fresh pasta, it doesn't have to be piping hot when you put it onto the pasta. So we could put that aside and get ready to focus on our chicken and our pasta portion. Yay, we're in the home stretch. Again, at this point, you're looking at your kitchen and you're like, well, I've used about 83 different utensils, bowls, mixing cups, blenders. Things are messy. Things are not clean. But say lovey. At this point, you'll want to get your chicken on the stovetop. For this recipe, I just used chicken thighs. So when I got all my ingredients out, I quickly added salt and pepper to the thighs. Give them a little time to season. So from there, you'll take out your pan. You put a little hot olive oil into the skillet and you'll add your thighs skin side down. You'll let them rock for about seven minutes. Um, And then a couple minutes into it, you'll add some butter and then those three smashed garlic cloves. You don't need to mince those garlic cloves simply because we're just kind of using the garlic for that flavoring that is going to then be flavored within the butter and flavored within the olive oil. I didn't add any extra butter when I made this dish because frankly, like you look at all the other ingredients we're using and it's like, do we really need more butter? But again, Maddie Matheson might have a different perspective on butter and cream and milk and everything than I do. But, you know, tis each their own. You do not want to mess with the chicken. And if you do try to flip them over too early, the skin will stick to the pan, which is exactly what we do not want. We want it to leave it untouched for seven, eight minutes. And then we'll flip it over. Patience is a virtue. So just give the chicken its time to do its damn thing. If you are using chicken thighs, I generally throw them in the oven. Again, our oven's already on for the bread and the garlic, so why not just throw them in? I generally throw the chicken thighs in for about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, We just want to make sure that the insides are cooked to about 165 to 170 degrees, depending on how you like your chicken. And chicken is super deceptive. If you're new to cooking, if you're new to cooking chicken thighs, your chicken can look perfect on the outside and delicious and gorgeous, but on the inside, it is pink and raw. So you really want to make sure that you are either using a thermometer to check on the insides or just throwing it into the oven and having a surefire way of having fully cooked chicken. 
So while you're doing all of the stuff with the chicken, it's going to be sitting there for seven minutes one way, seven minutes the other in the oven. You can kind of be simultaneously doing your pasta. So at this point, you will have your water that you boil the broccoli stems and stalks in. You'll notice it's a little bit green, but that just means that the water is full of the nutritious nutrients from the broccoli stalks. So, you know, we're not going to waste that water. Granted, you know, if I wasn't making a broccoli-based pasta sauce, I probably wouldn't use that leftover broccoli water to cook for, let's say, like a simple carbonara or something because that broccoli flavor will be imparted into your pasta. But because this dish is a broccoli pasta, it's okay for us to cook our pasta within that broccoli water. Again, if that skeeves you, do you you can let the water cool off and you can you know honestly water your household plants with it because it's again full of nutrients or you could toss it down the drain and you know I won't tell who cares but we do like to reduce reuse and recycle on this here show so we'll reheat that water we'll get it to a boil or boil new water whatever do you you'll cook the pasta based on the pasta instructions on the box and when the pasta has about three to four minutes left you'll add the broccoli florets in this will just give them some time to get cooked but again not super mushy I like a little bit of bite to my broccoli when it's in a pasta dish. I don't like it when it gets too mushy. Uh, So only three to four minutes is really needed. Again, if you want it really mushy, throw it in earlier. I I don't care what the hell you do. (laughs) But you'll also notice that the broccoli will start kind of like breaking apart and they'll ultimately break apart once we put the pasta and the broccoli and the sauce together and we're kind of mixing it all together. And now we're basically in the home stretch. We're going to strain that pasta and the broccoli and add it to your final serving bowl. You'll pour the Alfredo sauce on top, a glug of olive oil, just because why not? a little bit of cracked pepper, a couple of scoops of butter, and that's just really to add like a yummy creaminess to it. Again, optional. There's a lot of cream happening here, but there's honestly nothing better to get that restaurant quality pasta other than adding a couple knobs of butter when you're about to serve it. Then you'll portion out your dishes. You'll top each dish with your gremolata, a little piece of chicken on the side. And then we're going to want to just, you know, add some more Parmesan cheese because come on, we're going for it. If you're going to go for it, go for it. At this point, if you're adding, if you're looking to add a little bit of freshness, you might even want to squeeze some lemon juice on the top of everything just to kind of add a little bit of vibrancy to a somewhat heavy dish. And again, somewhat heavy, let's be real, very heavy. And at this point, you could just thank me later. So this is one of those recipes that really require a perfect bite moment. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but this means you need to have all of the components of the dish into one single bite. We're going to want the crunchiness of the gremolata on top. We're going to want the pasta with the creamy velvety sauce. We're going to want some yummy broccoli in there to, you know, get health. Hello. And then we're going to want that juicy, delicious chicken. This dish will absolutely make a complete mess in your kitchen. You will dirty about 150 different plates, bowls, pans, but it's a crowd pleaser. And let's not forget that one cup of broccoli has the same amount of calcium as a cup of milk. So this is health and wellness. And if you're looking to get frisky, add a little bit more nutmeg. Let's get crazy, people. (laughs) You never know what'll happen. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please reach out and let me know your thoughts on this recipe. And if you have a suggestion for a future recipe for me to try, shoot me an email at megan at the hcgpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Home Cook's Guide. If you're loving the show, leave me a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can also follow me on social media at the HCG Podcast or shoot me an email at megan at the hcgpodcast.com. And let's not forget, I spell my name the right way, M-E-G-A-N. Got any good recipes? Send them my way, please. And be sure to tune in every week for more delicious recipes.